0: Get ready to grip it and rip it.
1: All right, let's move on. We got golfers waiting.
0: Dedicated to bringing better golf to America, this is Tea to Green, the golf show.
2: That's right, it's called Golf, the Language Spoken Here Every Sunday on Tea to Green, the golf show. Hello, fellow golfers. Jay Ritchie, alongside Jerry Butenoff, from the five star Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the home of Tee to Grain and the home to next summer's U.S. Senior Open, 329 days away and counting. Thanks for making what we do a part of your sports weekend. Good show for you today. Uh, A little while from now, August 18th through 20th, the Solheim Cup returns. American soil. The Solheim is the ladies' version of the Ryder Cup. It's the U.S., the best American players, against the best female players from Europe. The Americans are the defending champs, and they'll defend their title in Iowa this year at the Des Moines Golf and Country Club. Scott, Howe is the director of golf at the Des Moines Golf and Country Club, and he'll join us today on T to Green to tell us about that course and to tell us about the 2017 Solheim Cup competition just around the corner. Also on the show today, we will reach back into the T to Green archives. About a year or so ago, we had Joe Gomes on the show. Joe is the director of communications for Titleist. I don't think there's any golfer on the planet who hasn't used a Titleist product in the game of golf in their career, and we'll talk to Joe about how Titleist started out. In particular, we'll focus on the Titleist golf ball and the famous script on the golf ball. He's got a couple of great stories for you today all about Titleist, and it's all coming your way today here on Tee to Green. It's early Sunday morning sun is coming up. I'm on the tee at seven. I'm here to try my luck. They say this game's a tough one, but I'll give it my best shot. Though the bunkers look like beaches and the greens like parking lots. Oh, Lord. What am I going Help me keep my head down.
3: Save me from those double bogey blues.
2: You found it. It's America's longest-running network radio golf show. Jay and Jerry teeing it up from the Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Scott Cuddy in Master Control. We'll come right back with more on Tee to Green. Destination listening for
1: dedicated
2: golfers, to Green, the golf show up and running for another Sunday edition. Hi, everybody. From the Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Jay Ritchie alongside Jerry Boutenov. Good to be back home at the Broadmoor after a quick road trip last week to Denver to watch the uh, the qualifying events for the 2017 mile high showdown hope you got a chance to see that on the golf channel live on tuesday night it was kind of fun despite some of the rain that hit during that but uh, speaking of rain uh, we've had pretty much a lot of rain all week haven't we jerry
4: yeah it's been uh, kind of nice uh... they're having a lot of it over in europe at the events so oh there this gosh. week do and apparently it's going to continue on into the women's british next week so uh, all the gals were pretty bundled up there yesterday um, at the
2: scottish open
4: yes at the ladies scottish ladies open, scottish think, open, yes. Uh, yes which is part of the lpga tour now an official lpga event teaming up with the let on that one now so this is their 11th straight week of playing for the women and then they'll have the women's british next week and then uh, we'll find out who's on the solheim cup team and they'll take a week off and come back to iowa and We'll see him there.
2: I think if I was on the LPGA tour at, for next year, going over to the Scottish Open uh, to play, I would take my clubs, my my, uh, my all, all my equipment, some warm clothes, snowshoes, and a dog sled.
4: Cause Something like that. They almost needed they that They don't yesterday. get a lot of snow in in Great Britain anyway, but awful, yeah, it's awful uh,
6: weather. Yeah, it's, it's been uh,
4: cold and wet and windy and and. Uh, There were only like four people sitting in the grandstand at the 18th hole at the end yesterday.
2: Speaking (laughs) of the uh, women's golf, the Solheim Cup's coming to Des Moines, Iowa next month. This is about three or four weeks from now on the show later in the hour. Scott Howe will join us. He's the director of golf at the course they will be playing, the Des Moines Golf and Country Club. The American ladies are defending champions. That'll be kind of fun, and we'll be out there for that. Uh, Our first guest is actually on tape from about a year or so ago. We had Joe Gomes on the show. Joe is the director of communications for Titleist. And as I mentioned in the open, I don't know if there's a golfer anywhere in the world who at one time or another in his or her golfing life has not played with or played wearing a Titleist product. It's the number one brand in golf, and there's a good reason for it. And when we had Joe on about a year or so ago, he had a couple of great stories on Titleist in the beginning. And uh, so we're going to play that back for you right now. And we started out with just a very simple, basic question. How and when did it all begin?
8: 1932, there was a uh, local businessman from uh, Cushnet, Massachusetts named Phil Young. And he was a, a very skilled golfer. And he was in a match one day with his um, doctor friend. He lost the match because he missed a putt on the 18th hole. And he blamed it on the golf ball as opposed to a stroke. And he said the ball was out of round. And that's why he missed the putt. The doctor that he was playing with happened to be the chief of x-ray. He was in charge of x-ray uh, at the hospital that he belonged to. So they took the ball down to the hospital and x rayed it and sure enough when they when they looked inside the, the ball, the core was out of round. And they went back and got a couple dozen more from the pro shop, went back and did it again. And sure enough, the uh anywhere from nine to ten to eleven balls within the dozen were were out of round. And he owned a rubber processing company, this Mr Young, and he said, I can make a better golf ball. And sure enough, uh In 1932, the Acoustic Golf Company opened up within three years. By 1935 is when the first Titleist golf ball came to market, Uh, and uh, that was the beginning of of the Titleist brand.
2: Do you know where they came up with the name Titleist?
8: Yes, it was uh, uh, what they were looking for. They were kind of uh, working with the, the associates within the company, and they said, you know, come up with a name for what you think this golf ball should be. Should be named. And um, they were saying, you know, anything to do with champion or victory or winner. They wanted to do something about the best of the best. This is what this golf ball was going to be. And uh, they came up with the name Titleist. It was actually owned by another company in Chicago and that it was going out of business and they bought the name. Um, and But the script was certainly different than it was at the time. And what they did with Mr. Young's secretary actually. Uh, had great penmanship, and he asked her to write, you know, what she thinks the Titleist script should should look like. And the script that you see now on the golf ball and every other piece of branding uh, with the Titleist name is how that secretary at the time wrote the script at, at, uh, back in 1935.
4: Joe, did she get it right the first time, or did she have to tinker with it a couple times there?
8: <laughs> well, I'm sure she tinkered with it, but I, I think uh, what they ended up with was uh, – uh, I don't know exactly if it was the first time. I shouldn't say that, but uh, um, but what they ended up with, they, uh, that's that's been the same script for since uh, since 1935. So it's almost over 80 years.
2: Her name was Helen Robinson. She was given a yeah. sheet of paper that and asked to name. write yeah. write the word tideless. and That's that's amazing yeah. how it all began. So that, and initially, you couldn't there. Golf balls and and some of their early products weren't available to the general public, were they?
8: No, and that's, uh, well, it was, what they did was they they sold them in pro shops only. So, and that was actually, uh, we've been doing that, that happened for, for several years you know and then of course you had some of the big box stores open up and now we sell in golf shops everywhere but the original uh when we started selling golf balls you could only buy them on course at the pro shop only level so that's how uh, our business began with the golf ball and how it uh, we kept doing it for several several years until some off course shops opened up and then of course now you have the big box store uh, like Dick Sporting Goods and and, and those kind of things, uh, but, but for years and years, it was pro-shop uh, only.
2: Joe Gomes with Titleist is our guest here on Tee to Green. One of the things Titleist brags about, and rightfully so, is that they are the most played ball, and that was, a, that was really something that you were able to brand yourself with back in the early days, wasn't it, Joe?
8: Yeah, well, it's interesting. With the U.S. Open Week in 1949 at Medina, we won our first ball count among the players, um, and we've won every U.S. Open ball count since then. So, you know, that certainly has been part of our advertising campaign during U.S. Open week, and, you know, our, our slogan, um, you know, is the number one ball in golf, uh, you know, since then. So, you know, we're very proud of that, that we've been able to sustain that streak and that loyalty amongst players uh, for, that, for that long.
4: Joe, obviously, you know, all the golf ball manufacturers make different types of balls. Do the companies take into consideration the cost and everything, too? Because the cost of golf balls has gone up quite a bit over the last 20 years. Um, How does Titleist view that?
8: Well, absolutely, and that's why we have a, you know, we think that the Pro V1 and Pro V1X is the best ball for everybody. Now, we totally understand that, Budget comes into play and the number of rounds people play comes into, comes into consideration and, and that kind of thing. So that's why we do have a, a line of golf balls that runs the gamut from, you know, the DT Solo, which you could get, you know, probably anywhere from $20 a dozen up to the Pro V1, which depending on where you buy that could, could be between, you know, 38 and 58 depending on where you buy it. And then we also have the NXT Tour and NXT Tour S, and we have the Velocity, all which are great golf balls, and, and then it goes up to the Pro V1. So we, we certainly have different price points for several different Titleist golf balls. So purchasing price is a, is a consideration. Certainly uh, they're going to get quality golf balls, whether it's the DT TruSoft or the Pro V1 and Pro V1X to answer your question we do take that into consideration when we're you know when we're making our golf balls manufacturing our golf balls
2: there you go that's Joe Gomes communications director for Titleist titleist the by the way the number 1 golf ball at the RBC Canadian Open being played this week on the PGA tour they just keep on and on and on well
4: it's like you said everyone's probably hit one even if it's simply one that they've found <laughs> when they're looking for their ball yeah. because if you find a golf ball on a course uh, you're, it's 50-50 or better that it's going to be a tight list so yeah you throw it in your bag and then you use it the, the next weekend or whatever
2: Yep. Joe Gomes from Titleist in the from the T to Green archives coming up we'll talk to Scott Howe director of golf at the Des Moines Golf and Country Club side of this year's 2017 Solheim Cup competition controversy Nothing new to the USGA, we'll talk about that next here on Tita Green.
1: That's 800-797-1256.
5: There's only one other acceptable theory about how to hit a golf ball. Oh,
10: boy. Well, I'm afraid to ask. Well, what is it? What's the other theory?
5: Grip it and rip it.
0: (laughs) Tea to Green takes you to the driving range with our tip of the week. The Broadmoor is one of the world's premier resorts and the longest holder of the prestigious AAA Five Diamond Award. This 3,000-acre property has 700 rooms and suites, a world-class amenity spa and fitness center, plus more than 185,000 square feet of meeting space. The Broadmoor is located five miles southwest of downtown Colorado Springs and one hour south of Denver. The Broadmoor continues to stand in the forefront of world-class facilities, amenities, and service, combining modern comfort and convenience with an elegant charm of the past.
5: Hi, everybody. This is Mark Kelbel, the head golf pro at the Broadmoor. Today I want to speak to you a little bit about the setup, grip, two very, very important things to play consistent golf. If you want to hit good golf shots, you better learn how to grip the club correctly. Your left thumb has got to go about 1 o'clock, right thumb about 11 o'clock on the other side. They oppose each other. The club is gripped in the palm of the left hand and the fingers of the right. Very, very important. They need to stay together to have them act as a hinge as much as possible. Now the setup, your feet need to be about shoulder width apart, hands about a Coke can away from your legs, left shoulder slightly higher than your right, that's important because your right hand is lower on the shaft than your left. Your feet, hips, and shoulders all need to be parallel. In other words, you don't want your hips open, your shoulders open, or one foot behind the other. This will help you hit good golf shots no matter what your lie is, no matter what the distance is, or if you're off the tee. For more on the swing
2: and on the grip, check out teetogreenradio.com or visit your local PGA professional. It's your number one source for golf news and entertainment on the radio. It's TD Green, Jay Ritchie, Jerry Bootnoff, Rodmore Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Note here from our friends at Divot Magazine, all about the 2017 Greensaver Golf Discount Book or Mobile App, Colorado's longest-running golf discount program. Now in its eighth year, you get more courses, more options, less restrictions, so that allows you to save more and play more for only $49. 86 total courses, 7 free green fees, 143 discounted green fees, a heck of a deal. And uh, all of that for 12000 uh, all of that, if you added up $12,000 of total Colorado golf savings for just $49. Plus, they'll throw in $75 off of one golf lesson at any golf tech location and one free club analysis at Lenny's Golf in Denver. What are you waiting for? For more information, call 303. 303- 797-8700 or go online to greensavergolf.com. Better take advantage of that while you can. We're, golf season ain't going to be here forever, especially here in Colorado.
4: Yeah, about uh, three more months in most of the state. And of course, some of the uh, lower front range courses are Open all year, on they, and off, they say weather permitting.
2: Weather permitting, yes. yeah, that's a good point. Well, we thought we were going to make it, or the USGA anyway, thought they were going to make it through the summer without any golf controversies, rules controversies. Remember last year, uh, the U.S. Open and Dustin Johnson and the Ladies' Open with Anna Norquist and Brittany Lang. They had some. They caught a lot of grief over a couple of rule major rulings there.
4: Well earned grief.
2: Yes, yes. Definitely. As we we alluded to on the show a number of times. Over the weekend, in fact, it it was on Friday, 16 year old Erica Shepard advanced to the finals of the U.S. Girls uh, Amateur, but not without some controversy. Shepard was two down with four holes to play against Elizabeth Moon in the semifinals at Boone Valley in Augusta, Missouri and she rallied to send the match into extra holes. First playoff hole, Moon faced a four-foot birdie putt to win the match. She missed the putt, and she left herself a short comebacker, about 10 inches or so, for par to keep the match going. Already in with her par, Shepard didn't concede her opponent's short putt. She said nothing, and Moon mindlessly pulled her ball back to try again, as that happens in match play almost every time, you, uh, you get a chance to do that. Uh, it doesn't count, but it's sort of a practice stroke. Shepherd said, I didn't say that was good. Shepherd explained afterward, she closed her eyes while Moon struck her putt. She said, when I didn't hear the ball drop, I opened my eyes and she's already like dragging the ball back with her putter. So she turned away and then stood there and looked around. And then my coach was like, did you give that to her? And Shepard said, I was like, No. And so I said, I don't think I gave that to you. Then I said, I totally would have given that to you, no doubt. Shepard thought the match would continue because she intended to concede the putt, but that wasn't the case because the concession wasn't verbalized before Moon raked her ball back. Moon violated rule 18-2. That's moving a ball in play. She got a one-shot penalty. That resulted in the loss of hole and ultimately resulted in losing the match. Shepard said afterward, it doesn't feel like a win right now. And it was a stunning end for Moon, who came in ranked uh, 2,246th in the World Amateur Golf Ranking. And uh, it's one of those that people are taking sides on. But it's pretty clear in match play, you have to concede the putt. You can't just walk away. You have to say, that's good, and then walk away.
4: Every year there's something of in some event that's match play similar to that. And maybe what they need to do is, if I'm going to play you, for mm-hmm. example, I'm going to tell you ahead of time probably, you said, here, here's my deal, you know. I'm going to give you most of those two-footers, but when it comes down to the end, if we're tied, let's say, or if I'm a couple behind or whatever, I'm going to make you make the putt. Maybe when it gets down to something like this, uh, maybe the quarterfinals or the semifinals or whatever in some of these tournaments, maybe they should actually make everybody putt out.
2: Yeah, that's a good and, point.
4: And do some yeah. especially when you're going extra holes. In in a, in a take, yeah, take, sudden depth. take this type of situation out of the mix and just make everybody make every putt.
2: Yeah. Because say for example Shepherd had given her all her short putts the whole round. And I know it's still wrong to assume but, yeah. you know, you could understand why you would assume she's going to give you that
4: one. And and that's, I think, what what happens is everybody at every level just assumes that they are going to get every putt that's 18 inches or less. You know, pick a, a distance that you want to use. Yeah. And you can't do that. You have to, you know, be a little more disciplined and wait till you get. And it does have to be a verbal, you know, or at least some sort of nod or whatever. And a, a, a verbal, uh, some sort of a. Obvious acknowledgment. So the but, referee
2: yeah. oh, that's it, there with the group could hear it. Yes, exactly. That's pretty much how yeah. it works. By the way, yesterday, Shepard did go on to defeat Jennifer Chang 3-2 to win the championship. So another controversy in golf.
4: Um, we'll probably be dead and gone before the U.S. Jig <laughs> goes through another clean summer in their events. It's too bad. Uh, weird story... Um, out of the uh, Canada, the Canadian Open uh, back at Glen Abbey, uh, which, by the way, the site of Arnold Palmer's first professional victory That's as right. a, yeah, 1955, and uh, we'll mention this a little bit later. His grandson Sam Saunders, whose birthday is today, is in contention. Has a chance to win. Yeah, Brent McLaughlin, who's the tournament director for the Canadian Open, will not be around, or is not around. Uh, For the weekend and the conclusion of the event, uh, Golf Canada said that McLaughlin has been suspended from his post prior to yesterday's round. Um, He's being replaced by Bill Paul, who has been a previous director of the Open. Lawrence Applebaum, who is the CEO of Golf Canada, confirmed the suspension saying that uh, McLaughlin, it's a confidential employee matter, Brent will not be here for the weekend. So, right in the
2: middle so, of the golf tournament, um, they tell him you're fired.
4: Yeah, it was interesting because the New York Times had an article on, on uh, McLaughlin uh, earlier this year. He's 46 years old, uh, describing him. And now, this isn't your normal golf visual that okay. people will get. Uh, McLaughlin as a tattooed, leather clad Harley Davidson driving <laughs> former roadie. Turns out he did tour as a roadie with bare naked ladies. About 20 years ago when he was in his mid-20s. So uh, just interesting. He was also scheduled to be in charge of the Women's Canadian Open, uh, which is um, the event after the Solheim Cup, I believe. Okay. And that will be in Ottawa this year. And that says Golf Canada will announce an interim director for that event. So kind of a strange hush-hush story you don't always get out of the golf world he's gone no explanation yeah
2: yeah but right in the middle of the of the tournament yeah they can that's pretty amazing all right so that's our, our dive into golf controversies here on td green today
4: it's the, been a uh, been a plethora of that in yeah. the last uh, few summers
2: des moines iowa hosting the solheim cup August 18th through 20th, Scott Howe, the director of golf at the Des Moines Golf and Country Club, is our next guest. We'll get in touch with him, find out what's going on in the nation's heartland as the best female golfers from America and the best female golfers from Europe get set to square off. That's next here on TD Green.
5: At Valero, we believe life gets lived between every fill-up. So whether you go down the road on two wheels or four, whether your Wednesday night is spent racing to the grocery store or down a track, and whether you're dropping off the mail, the pizza, the kids, or all of the above, we're here to make sure you're never running on empty. Valero top-tier certified quality fuel keeps your engine running cleaner, better, and longer. Find a station near you at ValeroCleanGas.com.
12: So check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Sports USA. Tap it in.
0: Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a rule. Time to work on your short game. Tee to green helps you get it up and down. The Broadmoor continues to stand in the forefront of world-class facilities, amenities, and service, combining modern comfort and convenience with an elegant charm of the past.
5: Hi, I'm Mark Kelville, the head golf professional with the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs, and today I want to talk to you about instruction and how to get a little better around the short game. There comes a time in everybody's golf game when instruction is necessary, and what we tell people here is learn how to hit shots. And what we mean by that is where your weight is. Where do you have your weight? Is it evenly distributed? Are you leaning forward? The ball played back in the stance, forward in the stance. Also, where are your hands? Are they covering your left knee? Are they in the middle of your stance? Are they held at the ball? So on and so forth. Get a little instruction to find out how to hit a flop shot, how to play the ball back and hit a ball down into the wind or chip it low and hard to an uphill pin. Also, how to hit a ball out of the bunker where you get it up quicker, where you use a little more hands, things of that nature. And, again, I want to encourage everybody to get a little instruction as to how to hit shots at a certain point in their game.
2: For more on getting the ball up and down, check out the website, tdgrainradio.com, or visit your nearest PGA professional. By golfers for golfers, it's T to Green, the golf show. Jay Richie, Jerry Bootnoff, at the Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Wanna say a great big hello to all of our new listeners and new affiliates down the line. Folks in Atlanta and in Dallas, radio stations there, now carrying T to Green, and of course. What would we be without our great flagship station here in Colorado Springs, Extra Sports, 1300, all the good folks over there. This show repeats, by the way, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, in case you missed missed it or missed part of it the first time around. Great to have you with us today. You know, in just a few weeks, the best female golfers in the U.S. and the best European female golfers in the world will be in Des Moines, Iowa, for the 2017 Solheim Cup competition. We were fortunate here in Colorado back in 2013. The Solheim Cup was played just up the road from us here in Parker, Colorado, outside of Denver, Two years ago, they were in Germany, and they're back in the U.S. this year. The Americans are the defending champions. They're in Des Moines, Iowa. Joining us from the Des Moines Golf and Country Club site of the Solheim Cup is the director of golf, Scott Howe. Hi, Scott. How are you today? Hey, great. How are
11: you doing, Jerry and Jay?
2: We are doing fantastic. I'm sure people are going, Des Moines, Iowa, how in the heck did they get the Solheim Cup? How (laughs) How did that happen?
11: Hey, great question. Um, well, for those of you, just kind of a quick tutorial background. We um, went golf dates back to 1897, but we've been at our current location here on the west side of the suburbs since 1967. Pete die, 36-hole facility. But where we kind of got some recognition and made a little bit of, an, of a dent in the map is uh, back in 1999, we hosted the U.S. Senior Open. Um and for those, and for that week, we actually ended up with 260 some thousand spectators. So that week really kind of highlighted Iowa at Des Moines and our facility, and what you know what kind of crowds we could attract here in the Midwest for for some golf events. And uh, I think that was kind of what you know recognized us in the eyes of the LPGA.
4: Scott, I, I know that. Uh, uh, I- figure that you know part of your answer there is dead on uh, i know that the uh des moines area has really really uh, uh backed if you will the yeah. uh, senior tour event the uh, champions yes. tour event that comes there every year so i'm expecting big crowds uh, in a couple of weeks in uh, in des moines for the solheim cup especially for this type of an event
11: yeah you know we're shooting high uh, i think our ticket sales right now are in a monetary standpoint right around five million so we're thinking we could hit Minimum 30,000 people for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday each day, maybe hopefully closer to 40,000, which, uh, you know, we, we are, we're pushing hard. We want this to be the biggest, best solheim ever. We want the spectators and the fans that come out to have a great experience, and we're, we're, we're geared up and working hard to make that all happen. Is the
4: course there, Scott, pretty fan-friendly where you can stuff that many people in and, and, uh, and not block a lot of views for a lot of people?
11: Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, for those listening who have been to, you know, Parker was a, a big property. I mean, that is 18 holes set over close to 600 acres. We're 36 holes on 500 acres. The the 18 holes we're going to use we is the original 18 that Mr. Dye designed and built and opened in 67. Uh, it's more internal. And a lot of good opportunities for people to, you know, kind of they can sit next to two fairway. They can watch and then hit their approach shots to three, the par three over water. They can get up to the right of hole number four and watch them come in on number nine. So a lot of good opportunities for multi-hole viewing, which is really nice from the fan standpoint when there's only four matches out, uh, you know, in the morning and afternoon on Friday and Saturday.
2: Scott, it sounds like it's kind of an old school course.
11: You know, that would be a good description of it. I guess, you know, flipping back and going through what Mr. Dye has told me, uh, you know, the club was more centrally located. The interstate came through. The property was taken by the state. And so they had to look for different locations. So they moved west, purchased this property. And at the time, we were just an 18-hole club with 400 members and Didn't really have the money to build 36 holes, but we ended up getting this large piece of ground, which was farm ground at the time. And he built what he figured was the best 18 holes and laid out an additional 18. And, yeah, very straightforward course. I think uh, based on the comments I've gotten from the players that have been here, they really view it as a second-shot golf course.
2: Interesting. Now, these things are usually awarded well in advance. When did you guys find out you were getting the Solheim Cup? Well,
11: 2011, we started the process. We reached out. We had a mutual acquaintance there, Kelly Hind, who is an LPGA official, works at the home offices down in Florida. She had actually been here working, I believe, for the Bruno Sports Management Group in 99. So she had firsthand been on property during that event. And when she saw, you know, our name as, as being interested, it, it kind of helped our dialogue. And she was able to kind of get us through that first round of, of questions and answers, if you will, a little bit more quickly. Our RFP came through, went to them in, let's see, it would have been January 1, 2013. We found out May of that year. Got a chance to go to Parker, witness that. Um, but at the time, it was not going to be announced until, oh, uh, I think it was two months later. So it was September of 13 that really? we were officially recognized as being the 2017 host site. Talking to Scott Howe, he's the director of golf at the Du Golf
4: and Country Club. Uh, Jay and I will be there in three weeks for the Solheim Cup. Scott, next year, the Broadmoor is hosting the Senior uh, uh, Open as part of their 100th anniversary of the Broadmoor Resort. Was that a target that you guys used this is the 50th year of the country club there from the 69
11: or 67 start date good that's a great question um all along we have not really been i guess inclined or in favor of doing something every year i mean we know that we're kind of like you guys out there it's a shorter season you you don't want to be close for too long in the middle of what are your best days your best playing days to your membership and your guests so we've kind of looked to do things on an intermittent basis. Um, And did we try to target 50 years of our history here? Or, you know, I I don't think that was really part of it. It was really more about, you know, some time had passed since we had the senior open. I think the membership was, again, more open uh, and ready to to want to host something, something big uh, like this event. I guess would be the best way I could try to answer that.
2: Yeah. Scott, aside from watching some good golf on a very fan friendly course, what can folks who head to Des Moines for the Solheim Cup expect uh, in and around the competition itself? You got some other things planned? Yeah,
11: yeah, that's a good question, and that's something that, uh, you know, it's interesting. Those were some of the first things that we, we talked about and discussed. So, the Iowa State Fair is going on, and that's probably very similar to the state fairs that you see held throughout the Midwest and some of the other states. So, a lot of fun things to do there. Uh, Prairie Meadows is a, a local horse track. We have nearby casino. Newton Speedway is nearby. We've got uh, Historic Valley Junction, which is a lot of kind of craftsmen and uh, small restaurants right down the street. There'll be, uh, I believe, an art festival downtown on the Riverwalk as well and then you know friday and saturday night of the competition we're actually having concerts here on ground so we have jake owens on friday night the 18th and we've got rascal flats here on saturday night the 19th so we're we're trying to offer as much as we can to our guests when they come in to see us sign me up for friday night you're good
2: you're down you got it rascal flats i heard is already sold out
11: yeah rascal flats is sold out there's a few tickets left for jake but. Uh, we have got our fingers crossed that when everyone kind of gets here and starts putting their schedules together, that those tickets will be gone quickly. You can sneak us into that one, though.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> with
11: me. You're oh, with me.
2: <laughs> A lot of lot of changes to the setup and the and the and the course itself for the ladies, or is it going to play pretty straightforward?
11: Very straightforward. They're playing it at sixty-eight ninety. Now, the one thing they're going to do. Uh, kind of interesting, when, when Mr. Dye designed both courses, they were par 73s. Both courses had five fives. So when he came back in, uh, which was when we started talking to him in 2010, you know the bunkers needed to be rebuilt. Some of them were out of position because of the changes in today's technology. So we got him on board to come in and, and kind of just tweak things the one the biggest thing was rebuilding all the bunkers but the other thing he recommended we do was go from 73 to 72 so on each golf course we had to make that change it was easy on the one we just changed a par five to a par four on the other course it was a little more complicated we went from a five three finish on the front nine to a three four finish and really kind of created two really really good holes where there was some average holes in the past so anyway i'm i'm digressing here. But So, what they did, they came back in, and on that hole where we'd gone from five to four, they went back, played it from the men's championship tee at 490, and they're going to play that as a five again. So, it's going to be par 73, five par fives, 6890 in length. And, you know, it's, you know, we're playing basically at sea level here, so I think it's going to be a pretty good test for them. Fairway widths, we haven't changed much. Um, Green speed, should be should be good, but it's not going to be crazy. You know they they've been very happy when they've come in. John Miller from the USGA or the LPGA when he's come in, walked the course. Thinks that it's really set up in good condition for them right now. Would play very fairly for them all.
2: Yeah, the Ryder Cup, the Solheim Cup, the two best events in golf, and you guys got to be so excited and so fortunate to to have the ladies coming there
11: in just a few weeks. Yeah, and you know, if, for those of you who watch Germany, that finish was crazy because you had the conceited putt that wasn't conceited, and then I happened to be there, and the whole atmosphere flipped because, you know, they're all close friends. I mean, it's just like you guys playing in your golf league and all of a sudden splitting the league into blue and red, and then all of a sudden you're arch enemies, but, you know, all the con- all the congeniality and the, the, the handshakes and, oh, nice job, that all flipped and turned off immediately, and it got very testy on the last day in singles. And so we're all kind of interested to see what comes to Des Moines here in a couple weeks.
2: Scott, thanks for taking the time today. Great job, and we're looking forward to seeing you here in a few weeks ourselves. So uh, this should be fun.
11: Yeah, hey, please, you guys have my contact info. Look me up. I'd love to to -to face-to-face and help any way I can.
2: Okay, so that's Scott Howe. He's the director of golf, Des Moines Golf and Country Club, hosting the best female golfers in from the U.S. and Europe in just a few weeks for the 2017 Solheim Cup. We'll take a break. Back with more of Tita Green right after this.
12: moon shining bright edge of the water we were feeling alright back down a country road the girls are always hot and the beer is ice cold <laughs>
2: speaking you go. of
4: Jake Owen a little Jake
2: Owen for you there Barefoot, here.
4: what's that barefoot Cat- blue jeans, Saturday night or yeah, something, something like, like that is the name of that one um, taking you around the world of golf all sorts of national championships in the commonwealth going on here start with the senior British at Royal Porthcall in Wales mm-hmm. this year. it has been there before a few years back. Uh, Bernard Longer didn't hold his lead, believe it or not. Remember, at the players, senior players a couple weeks ago. Uh, he had a good round yesterday, a 65. He's at minus 5-4 better than Corey Paven, who also shot a 65. Uh, the average round yesterday of the leaders was about 8 shots better than they had yeah, on, yeah, Friday, on Friday, Friday when were. the weather was really bad there. Uh, Peter Lonard is uh, five shots back at even par, and then there's a group of seven players within a couple shots after that. But Longer looking for major number three of the year and number ten of his, his Champions Tour career. The uh, women are at the Ladies' Scottish Open at uh, Dundonald
9: mm-hmm. in Scotland.
4: Mm-hmm. There's almost a joke there, but I'm going to let it go. Um <laughs> Through three rounds, say Young Kim and Kari Webb at age 42 trying yeah. to strike a note for the older gals. They're at minus six, two shots better than Christy Kerr. Uh, Carlotta Saganda and Sung Young Yoo are at minus two, and then a group at even par. And the men at this Canadian Open in Glen Abbey uh, outside of Toronto, Charlie Huffman, uh, minus 17, one better than Kevin Chappell. Two ahead of Robert Garrigus and Gary Woodland, and then a group of six, three shots back, including Sam Saunders. Arnie's gran- grandson, gran- Grandpa Arnie, won this event in 1955 at the same location. Yeah.
2: Hope the weather's better for the ladies. Yep. Not the ladies Scottish than it was yesterday. Our thanks today to Scott Howe, director of golf, Des Moines Golf and Country Club, for joining us to tell us about his golf course, about the city of Des Moines, and about the 2017 Solheim Cup. That'll be played there August 18th through 20th in the nation's heartland. Hope you enjoyed the Joe Gomes interview from Titleist as well. That's it. Till next time, hit them long, hit them straight.